Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Grayscale Gorilla Podcast. This is episode 53, doing something a little bit different this time. We've got ourselves a guest. We've got Dave Bradour. Say hi, Dave. How's it going, guys? What's up? What is up? And of, of course, as always, we got Chris. Hello, hello. How's it going? Good, good. So yeah, so Nick is um, out gallivanting around the country and is not available for this uh, for this episode. So Nick, if you're out there, um, don't kill yourself on a ski slope or something like that. Uh, but we're stoked to have David here. Dave um, is a big part of GSG. He's been helping us out with a lot of different things. He teaches, uh, how many classes are you teaching now? One or two? I just, uh, for GSG, I got one. Okay, so Dave teaches one animation class for us, but then he also helps out with uh, amazing renders on our daily renders. And you may know his work uh, from his Instagram, which is Locked and Loading, which is a hugely popular uh, Instagram uh, account. Or what do you even call that, a person? I mean, it's it's just you, right? I mean, Locked it's and Loading just, is Instagram. It's onto yeah. itself. Yeah. Just, yeah. So yeah, you may have seen his stuff. He's got these really cool like organic shapes coming out of like rock formations and they're kind of bubbly and organic and they, they look like something that would you'd find like on an alien planet or something. They're really cool. So uh, so what's new? Uh, let's um, I guess we should start off by talking about a little bit of news before we jump into uh, uh, interrogating Dave here. Nice. Um, what What's going on? Well, um, Chris, why don't you talk about the meetup that just happened? I think that that was yeah. a really yeah. successful meetup. Yeah, so we just had a meetup at the mill last Wednesday, and it was the biggest turnout we've ever had where we had 100 people. Well, we don't have a final count, but 100 people were supposed to show up. I think at least 90 did, and we had another 50 people on the waiting list, which was crazy. But we finally got to go to the mill. They work out of the, the Google building in Chicago, so that was super cool to see, a nice big office. Uh, and just by sheer coincidence, it was the Chicago branch of the mill's fourth anniversary, which was cool. And it was the same day that they released uh, all the information about their uh, Blackbird like real-time rendering, like superimposing a car on top of their you know adjustable car rig in you know that you could be a director driving around seeing what it's really going to look like so that all kind of happened on the same day so that worked out really well they had a uh one of those vibe uh tilt brush the vibe uh, the, the, the vr thing and that was pretty neat uh i i enjoyed you know the paintbrush existing in 3d space uh so yeah huge turnout super fun uh so we'll have to go i already told them we're going to check back in on them uh, in a year and see what they're up to come hang oh, out again because yeah. that was that was amazing yeah it was um, a great turnout I, I was really interested in that um in that blackbird thing uh dave you ever heard of this thing before you ever oh yeah yeah. So it's a it's a car that they had manufactured for shooting cars that either a don't exist yet or b are too are are so new that they they're not allowed to be photographed. It's a big problem actually. I've shot some car stuff. I actually shot a car thing that was uh, a top secret car, and I know how hard that is and how expensive that is. And so to have this rig that essentially you can, you know, put any other car on top of this car is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, if you're not familiar, the, the Blackbird rig, they can put any kind of wheel on it and they can like lengthen the car or widen the car. So oh, yeah. it, it they can kind of adapt shocks. to any wheelbase. Yep, yeah, I, I, I'm yeah. very aware of it and been following them. Actually, yeah, they talked about it at Pause Fest too. So no, we're there. Nice. Yep. I do. I, I did. I was a little bit like skeptical though on like 
why i mean i thought here's the thing like i think it's cool that the 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 whole unreal engine thing being able to like have the the dp being able to the whole purpose of what they announced was that you're going to now real time be able to have a tracked car body on top of the blackbird using the unreal engine now it's not for final delivery it's not it's not it's not you know what you're going to see in the in the commercial or whatnot it's just so the dp can have something to frame up on and the client can maybe swap colors or whatnot so it but it you know it kind of is crazy like it's a really fancy expensive thing just so the dp can have something to frame up like it's kind of crazy yeah anyway but it was it was pretty damn cool and uh I, I wish they had brought one in to drive because that would have been fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think that's viable. <laughs> I would love to drive that thing. And it's electric, too, which is crazy. I think it probably can go pretty damn fast. Um, anyway, so, yeah, that was a lot of fun, man. Um, and we saw a lot of people there, a lot of uh, a lot of the regular folks and quite a few new faces that I didn't recognize. Yeah, people um, so that, come out of the woodwork to go to a new studio, especially if it's the mill. Right. Yeah. And the Google building. I mean, that's yeah. kind of cool. It, it was um, it was huge. And it's just like in the middle of this like, you know, district of town or part of town that you just don't see buildings like that. It's a meatpacking district. Right. Like, yeah. Right across the street. They're like packing eggs, eggs up and, you know, chopping up lamb. Right. <laughs> yes, I used to work uh, right across the street from it actually, and we used to have the most disgusting dump trucks come in and pick up the garbage outside in the meat passing district, and everyone oh. would flock to the windows and just watch it dump in. Oh my god! Every yeah, meat, day. Meat dump day. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Yeah, dude, you couldn't look away. No, every you had to watch. Well, what else is new in news? We've got, uh, we launched a new version, uh, we, we, an update, sorry, not a new version, update to HDRI Link, which uh, if you don't, those of those that you don't know, that fixes a problem that Redshift, um, Redshift made some changes in their alpha and we had to update it to fix it. So if you're a Redshift user and Link wasn't working for you, go download your new version and it should be working for you now. Uh, we also announced um, GSG LUTs, which is a new color grading tool that's going to be coming out very soon. A lot of people um, talking about that, excited about that. I'm Your commercials you made for that were awesome. Yeah, we, we, should, we should link to that commercial, actually. Yeah, we'll link to it. Yeah, why not? I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun to make. It's, sometimes it's uh, fun to, to kind of do those types of things again. I haven't done one of those in a while, so it's, it's good. But the real reason that we're here is to talk about Dave. Mm -hmm. And let's let's I want to know, um, you know, people have been people may have seen you on our site. Um, people may have followed you on Instagram. Can you tell me a little bit about where you started? How did you get into this business? And I know you have a Chicago connection. So can you can you take us through that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I actually got started more traditional kind of art, but I'll probably skip to that and just kind of go into my background a little bit in the art world. I'm traditionally a graphic designer. Uh, that was where my education lies. And then um, and then it was kind of like seamless. I didn't want to move to New York. I grew up in Philly and New York is just too familiar for me. Wasn't really into the scene in LA. And, uh, and I was just looking for other cool studios in the country. And at that time, it was really uh, the only other one was Chicago. And so uh, it was that simple. I'm like, oh, Chicago seems kind of cool. Never been there. And uh, and I went up and uh, and that was kind of my transition into uh, into Chicago it was really just because I thought it'd be a cool city to try out. 
Um, and then, uh, and, and, you know, through my college experience as a graphic designer, I got really excited in, into animation. And, and so I'm just self-taught uh, After Effects user, self-taught Cinema 4D user. And uh, and got to a studio in Chicago, and uh, and it was an entire entirely Maya studio, and uh, and I picked it up and uh, and just hated it, <laughs> and uh, and and now you got to figure though this is you know a, quite some time ago now seven eight years ago, um, and so cinema was just about to like take off it was just in that early stages and you know a lot of veteran maya artists uh absolutely hated the software and so i was completely the odd man out uh using cinema 4d but i saw its benefits for the studio and that kind of evolved and eventually by the time i left i think there was equal or more cinema 4d artists at the studio than maya at that point um, but yeah, there's uh, a lot of battles between cinema and Maya just by default of people not wanting to change and things like that. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the experience is, is always good in the motion design industry and being flexible and being able to change. So that's what got me to Chicago and, uh, and being a motion designer, but just all self-taught, self-learning. So, yeah. So, so when you were, when you were at, um, the studio that was predominantly, uh, Maya based. What was the um, what was the the catalyst for? Uh, uh, it, it started out with just you, and then more people started. You said when you left, it was like you know more people using cinema almost. What was the catalyst there? Like, what was the reason? Well, for me, I remember one day specifically, I was asked to do a pitch we were doing for MTV at the time, and uh, it was a TV show. It never got aired, but we worked on the pitch for it anyway, and. Um, and I, I did it over the weekend and I had I was doing stuff with like Tracer and just like some basic MoGraph tools um, at eight years ago were like pretty exciting right at the time. Um, and I did something, came in that following Monday and everyone surrounded my workstation and we're like, how the hell did you make this over the weekend? Like this would have taken us two weeks. And, and I was like, oh, I'll just show you. And I showed everyone in two minutes. And... Um, and at that Isn't point, that a great I, feeling, by I the think way. the light bulb went off in at least a couple people that were like, okay, I'll give it a go. Um, and then slowly and surely, I just kind of pressed like, you know, it's using the right tool for the job. And, you know, Maya is an amazing tool, but I'm like, we're doing a lot more motion graphic stuff. And, and I'm telling you, I've got the right tool for the job. Um, and so it'll take us less time. We can take in more jobs. We can produce them quicker. And, and so I tried to just sell that idea to, to the to the owners really right well i mean yeah i think a lot of people are um uh, they don't if you're a maya user back then i mean i was the i was right there with them i i thought cinema 40 was like this you know bs program that only uh did like you know low-end kind of motion graphic stuff and then right around the time that MoGraph came out and and probably a little bit after I started to realize that like, wow, this tool is actually really versatile and like has a lot to offer. And, and quite honestly, I was in the same boat. Like we weren't doing, I mean, there's no reason for us to use Maya when I was at uh, DK at the time, because we weren't doing any like hardcore character work. We were doing predominantly either motion design or kind of more VFXy stuff. Yeah. Um, and it didn't really, you could do it in, in either or, and then around that time, there was just like this huge influx of in Chicago of Cinema 4D artists, and I think um, 
I want to say for every uh, for every single Max or Maya freelancer, there was like ten Cinema 4D freelancers. So yep. there was it, you just couldn't you you just had to kind of at one point you just had to like th- throw your hands up in there and be like, all right, well I guess this is where it's going. Um, I better dive in, you know. Uh, yep. So so what about um, so what what happened? You you were at you were at Lyft for a while, and then uh, you ended up in Florida. How did that happen? I actually wish I was at Lyft. I, I never made it to Lyft. I was talking to uh, Jason White while Lyft was still around, and then maybe two months before I was ready to go, Lyft was no longer there. And then I went to Leviathan because that's where Jason Jason White went, and I was talking to him. And so I missed Lyft, but. The whole reason I wanted to move to Chicago was because I liked the work that Lyft did. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, I, I worked at Leviathan, though. So what was your second part of the question? What got me well, down how, in Florida? Yeah, how did you end up in, with a boat in Florida? <laughs> oh, man, it, crazy story. I mean, it really just came down to it was time for me to move on. You know, it's time for me to move on from what I was doing. Um, I feel like a lot of artists, we get to this point um, just working on client jobs constantly. And, um, and, and following the creative direction of other people sometimes can, can be challenging uh, when you want to kind of branch out and do your own thing. And what I was really excited about was kind of my personal work that was really taking off. Um, and that was what was getting me freelance work as well. It wasn't my client projects that I was doing at the studio. It was me working on the weekend and kind of like messing around and coming up with something because I wanted to. And the clients were coming and saying, hey, can you can you work in freelance for us? And I was like, all right, cool. And no one was saying, hey, the, the title sequence you did is fantastic. Can you work with us? They were like, hey, that weird thing that you made, can you work with us? And so... <laughs> I don't know. I, I got really excited about, you know what, maybe I don't need to be at a studio to be relevant. And, um, and I always love Grayscale Girl, always love teaching and, and helping and sharing what I knew with other people. Um, and an opportunity came down to be a professor at, a, at a, my alma mater, actually, uh, Ringling College of Art and Design. And, um, and I just leaped at it. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. My, uh, my wife and I, we, we, she had a, a really successful job in Chicago as well. And we just made a pact. We said, whoever can get a job first then in Florida, um, we'll just move and the other person will figure it out. And, uh, and sure enough, the ringling thing came through. So it was kind of amazing, but it's a perfect balance because now I get to constantly be on top of Cinema 4D because I'm teaching it every single day in After Effects and animation. Uh, and then on top of that, I get enough time to run my own freelance firm and do side projects and do the things that I actually love to do. Uh, and, and I can actually pick and choose uh, what client jobs I take because I'm not dependent on that you know, I'm not dependent on a check for my freelance job, so I can turn down the things that I'm not interested in doing. So all these thoughts were kind of going through my mind, um, and it's fortunate the time we live in now. You don't have, and you're you're talking half res's point to this. Uh, the time we live in now, you don't actually have to be on location anymore to to kind of run your own thing. And so I'm here in St. Petersburg, Florida, and and yeah i mean the jobs still come in so that's crazy it's, it's, it's cool that's so. a really interesting thing though what you, you're just saying about your um your personal work kind of being the thing that jump started everything and it wasn't the work that you were doing and getting paid for during the day it was the work that you were passionate about that you were doing on your own that was what ended up bringing you to where you are now which is is a that's a cool lesson i think for people to learn i mean what would you say to somebody if they're 
at a studio, maybe they're not super happy where they're at, um, and they and they want to get to their own version of Florida. What advice would you would you give them? My thing is, and I say this all the time, it's when you're done work, go back and work. And what I mean by this is not like when you're done your eight or ten hour day, uh, like you know, stay at the studio and just keep working on that same project. I'm like, no. When you're done with that eight or ten hour day, go home uh, or stay at the studio, but work on a project because you want to make it, not for anyone else. And uh, I think, you know, and I'm just speaking on what's worked for me. And that that's kind of where my success has come from is that I've never been tired uh, of creating, you know, sometimes I'm tired of doing client work sometimes, but I've never been, I've never been burnt out where I'm like, I just don't want to use 3d anymore because I've done it all week. It's like, no, I've been wanting to make this one cool thing. And none of the client projects are allowing me to make this. So I'm going to make it on my own and let, and, to get it out of my system. So when work's done, go back and work um, and see if you can build up uh, clients from that. You guys were talking in the podcast, I think it might've been last week or the week before, but like you don't get hired for work unless you show that you've already done that work. And, right. uh, and, and I think that's really important. So do the work that you want to do and then, you know, hopefully the clients will follow. So. Now that, that's, go ahead. The, the, uh, I have found in 3D, like you're saying, Dave, it's hard to get bored in 3D to not be creative because you might get bored with maybe modeling, but then you can go do some lighting or maybe you can go do some texturing or you can go try and do some animation or just do some crazy motion graphics, maybe spend some time in After Effects. But if you get bored with an aspect of 3D, there's so many other ones to tackle. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, how, did, how did you end up uh, like meeting Nick and getting involved in Grayscale Gorilla? Oh, yeah. So... Um... I don't know. I talked to Nick several times at, at different motion uh, graphic meetups in Chicago. Um, uh, it, you know, just kind of going out and in different industry parties and stuff like that. Um, Nick was actually the first person I talked to before I came to Chicago. He was the one who directed me towards Lyft. Um, so you know, our conversations have extended back, you know, eight years now or more. And um, and so I was just kept talking to him, and I loved the stuff that he was doing, and I loved the tools that. Uh, you know, Grayscale Gorilla was like creating. Um, and I always just kept in contact with them. And then I worked on one side project and I'm like, and I used Texture Kit Pro and I used Light Kit Pro and uh, I shot it over to them. And, um, and Nick was like, oh man, this is so great. How did you make these textures? Like, and I was like, I use Texture Kit Pro. And then, and I talked about how I tried to plus the textures and stuff like that. And then he threw, uh, it was a piece, it was called Identity Transmute. And it was another one of those passion projects that I did because I wanted to do um, like logo and rebranding and stuff design. And I wasn't getting that in the studio. And then sure enough that, that he put it on the site and it just blew up, you know? Um, and, uh, and I don't know, we've been kind of chatting ever since then. And then right before I moved out of Chicago, I was like, you know what? Nick's got such an amazing following and online uh, animation courses and online like training is like so popular right now. And there's only a couple places doing it. And, um, and so I was sitting at, uh, on the rooftop at um, Rock Bottom. And uh, it was like two days before I was leaving. I, and I was like, I'm going to write Nick an email. And I was like, Nick, I got this idea. I think it'd be great for Grayscale Gorilla. And, um, and 
I, I'm sorry, I'm actually leaving in like two days and moving from <laughs> Chicago. But and he's like, he's like, that's so funny. He's like, I'm moving from Chicago too, uh, 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 and I'm only here for two days. He's like, you want to grab lunch tomorrow? And so we did, and we started chatting about doing like online like training, animation classes, and offering these classes. And he's like, yeah, I've been thinking about it, but I wasn't sure. Um, and he was talking to uh, Joey Corman at uh, School of Motion. And and so he had already been kind of thinking about this too. And then when I came in and I'm like, and I'm, you know, I, I can back it up. I'm a, a professor. I teach 2D and 3D animation now. And and I can, you know, bring that in. And um, and I don't know. And so, you know, I mean, so it's it's a long time ago, but it's kind of all built up and, uh, and, and kind of, you know, we've kind of combined forces more and more. So I don't yeah, know. It's fantastic. And, uh, following up on that, the... You, uh, when we ran the first class, it was kind of like the beta practice one, and it was like, you know, oh, we're looking for feedback from everybody, and so you did that one. But haven't you? Have you? How many have you done in total so far for Grayscale Gorilla? Is that three, four? I think I've done like four. Yeah, I think I've done four, four now. Yeah, so you've done four classes for us, and those have gone, those have gone really well, and it's been working so well that we've, you know, we're starting to look into expanding that. So I'm actually, I've been building. I'm in the beginning processes of building my first course on there. I'm hoping to do some espresso an intro to espresso so i've been talking with you a little bit about you know some of the pitfalls and things to look out for so uh, no promises anybody i don't know when that's going to be out it's probably a long ways away but i'm working on it and then not yeah, only that awesome. it has to get prepared and then we have to have like a big old open like two months where i'm going to be able to dedicate the time to uh, like actually interacting with students on that but definitely something uh, i'm i'm excited about and you know i don't think any of the class stuff would have executed or at least not for a while if you hadn't gotten involved early on for sure for yeah. sure, yeah, I'm I'm excited about about your your uh, espresso class for sure. I'm gonna take yeah, that. Yeah, me too. Heck yeah, I'll be in there. <laughs> I don't know how, I'll be in the, maybe I'll be in the front row. Is there a digital front row? I don't even I don't really know how it works. <laughs> well, that's cool, man. Um, I, you know, I, one thing that I wanted to ask you about since we have you is uh, a little bit about your workflow, um, in particular about your daily stuff, like um. You, your that look that you've got going with the uh, the organic stuff. Tell us about how that started, and then yeah, I, I, I want to kind of I have a, I had a question kind of specifically along those lines. Um, if I can follow up, and then Dave, you you tell me if I've got this right or completely wrong. But did, I was telling the story I think the other day on AstroSG, but didn't you see like the bare bone skeleton of that on an AstroSG? A hundred percent. Yeah. You took and you took it and turned it into like an entire genre. Is that am I right in that? Or no, no you're, you're, Chris you're, is looking to uh, take full credit for uh, No, no. No, I, 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 I think it's I think it's a that's a success story for like, listen, I'm gonna talk about the technical. You guys take that as raw material and make something cool with it. Right. So. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent. I I was sharing that with you at half res, um, and you were do, you were breaking down a Houdini tutorial on there, and I always I always have your AskJSGs on, and you know whether I'm working or not, I'll, I'll just throw them in the background if not. And when you say something, because you you approach things differently than than I would a lot of times, and so then I like I'm like okay, what is he doing? And I click over, and and I was paying attention, and it was right at the time I was working on a a a, a Nike spot. And I was like, oh, man, this would be perfect. I, I need to do like these air pockets for Nike. And so I started pitching those. And then out of that, because um, I was doing, you know, more clean, like, you know, Nike looking stuff. And then um, 
from my personal, I was like, I kind of want to make weird little alien creature plants thing. But yeah, no, it all stemmed from uh, from watching the Ask GSG thing and kind of discovering like a new technique to achieve something. And then, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. It was a really fun full circle thing because somebody asked a question about something in Houdini, which has been happening more and more. It's like, well, okay, let's see if we can figure out a way to do it in cinema. And I came up with a very parametric way of doing it. I don't remember all the details, but there was some, like the the poly effects are in there, like extruding things up from certain polys and whatnot. But I do that. You saw that. You start making a whole series and like, like, all of the daily renders and you made like a little short film out of them. I'll be just be randomly on Reddit and then that'll pop up in like imaginary sci-fi or something. It's like, I know that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then, and then eventually I have, you know, a season later in ask GSG, I have people saying, Hey, how do I make this thing from locked and loaded? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's like, it's like, like oh my God, it, moment. it came back around again. Yeah, so funny. I'm actually, cool. I actually evolved it and now doing a totally different technique. It's a lot more work, but, um, it's the, like the next evolution. I keep looking at stuff that's happening in Houdini and I feel like I just have to try to pick it up eventually because I, I'm like trying to emulate things that just seem to come naturally to Houdini. Um, and so doing the, the poly, like the, you know, Mo extrude and, and that stuff to get that, the one look that I saw from you, um, worked great. And then I, and I got like, past that point i'm like okay because i just saw it was everywhere after a while and then i was like okay i definitely have to like try a different technique and so so now i'm actually hand sculpting and using pose morphing between them so it, it, it's a, it, it's like double the amount of work at least but um but at least it's um it's unique again you know it, it's got like different kind of forms and stuff like that and so like i'll hand sculpt two piece of geometry and and then morph between them and then apply uh delay effectors and uh, to give it more of like a gooiness and stuff like that to it um and then i was like okay how do i take it in the next spot and so now that um you can use um uh well i'm using different mixed materials and stuff like that to just like change up the textures and um yeah so I, i'm trying to continue to evolve it and not just like stick with one method but uh, it's a similar look. But if you're getting questions uh, from people like, yeah, but how is he doing this one? It's actually a little different now that you can actually produce that same look using that, using the Mo Extrude effect. So, well, do you think you'll ever pick up Houdini? I, I, at the um, at the meetup that we just had, there was a lot of people talking about wanting to learn Houdini, and I feel like there's this. Um, it, it's kind of like it seems like a lot of Cinema 4D users are thinking that that's another tool that they want to have under their belt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I am. I think yeah, that's a big conversation. I I am thinking about it. Uh, I'm thinking about it to the point where I downloaded it off Houdini's site because uh, they give you they, they'll let you download it for free. Um, but I just haven't had the time to jump into it. Um, I don't know. I. I Unfortunately, I feel like uh, a lot of artists, and it's easy to get caught up in this, especially in the 3D world, are, are all looking just for the right answer. And they're asking, um, how, how do you do it instead of why are you doing it? Um, and so, you know, that, that leads to a lot of artists looking for uh, the tool to solve that, um, which I think is fine. But if, if, if you can come up with a concept first, uh, the tool should, uh, should support the concept. Um, and, and I notice a lot of things look the same because you're not actually creating a concept. You're coming up with the tool and then forming the concept around the tool. So I don't know. I, I hope 
you know, if people jump into Houdini, like the, I know if I jumped into Houdini right now, you know, my stuff would just look like everybody else's. So I got to have a concept worthy enough to, for me to want to use Houdini. So, yeah, I kind of feel like I'm going to get to that point where I'm going to start to learn it. And it's just kind of an, an inevitable part uh, of, I think, where I want to just kind of learn it all. I, and I'm, I'm still learning cinema, man. I'm not even, I haven't even been using it that long. So I don't feel like I'm ready to like just open up Houdini and start learning yet. But I know that it's, it, it, going back to what you were saying when you were working at Leviathan and you were doing things that the people next to you couldn't do and they would come over to your desk and be like, whoa, how'd you do that? I feel like that is happening right now. Uh, now I feel like almost like some cinema is becoming that for Houdini. There's somebody doing something like uh, Man versus Machine is doing something in Houdini that nobody's ever seen before, and everybody's like, "Oh my god! Like this is insane! How are they doing this?" Or Chris is getting you know tons of questions about these ridiculous uh, executions, and it's almost always Houdini that I kind of feel like at, at a certain point when you're creating abstract things and just really original ideas that like you said are not based around necessarily a function or a tool that you need once you've kind of elevated uh your your work to a certain level you need a tool that can just do anything it, yeah. it can it does it has no handcuffs i mean the only handcuffs are you know your ability to learn it and that's what i think is cool about houdini and why i'm excited to someday learn it it's not anything i'm going to do soon but uh the fact that it really is this like total you know, anything goes kind of system. I mean, I've seen really amazing hard surface, like visual effect buildings blowing up. And then I've seen like the stuff that man versus machine does. They're just like total organic, abstract, cool stuff. And it's interesting. We can do a lot of that stuff in cinema, but then at some point you're just like, dude, that's Houdini, man. <laughs> we can't, you just got to use Houdini for that. Yeah. Exactly. I like your kind of take on it, though, where where you're like, you know, I still got way too much learning to do in cinema before I jump into Houdini, because I have a lot of people, um, younger artists asking me, they're like, hey, how can I learn Houdini? And uh, and my my first thought, I'm like, is like, you don't even know like Cinema 4D yet. And you want to jump to Houdini. And that's fine. But I feel like Houdini is such a bigger beast to take on, you know, and anyone who's like jumped into it uh says that as well you know it's like well it's it's a lot different it's not it's not cinema 4d you know and if you think it is when you jump in you're probably not going to like it yeah. um and so i i don't know it's like you know you gotta it's the the the, the phrase like you gotta you know walk before you run kind of thing and i'm like i don't know just understanding the idea of 3d from some of the more traditional ones like cinema 4d or maya or you know what whatever uh might be like the better way to start and introduce yourself but i don't know than just jumping in a houdini so yeah i kind of feel like it's not one of those programs that you should just dabble in you know like it feels and i i'm i know a few artists that are learning it right now and and they're these are like really smart artists that uh i know are are way more technically um you know, on top of it than I am. So th they, they're telling me what they're doing and, and they love it and everything, but it's a real commitment. I mean, you really have, it's not just like d dip your toe in and like do a few things and then dip your toe back out. It's like, if you really want to understand the paradigm of how that program works, you got to like dive in and you have to like make an effort to understand the entire uh, process of yeah, how Houdini yeah. works.
everybody i keep having people tell me over and over again that they think i should try and dive into houdini and i probably should because i do like the technical end of things but it sounds like if you cinema 4d is the best if you want like a frictionless experience from between doing like you know doing the 3d and then being able to be artistic with it where this sounds like no no there is friction you need a lot of knowledge to wrangle it to make it do what you want and then it can do amazing things so it the ease of use is not going to be there but it but it's going to have a much higher skill cap i bet i bet you chris of all people would probably appreciate it the most because it's all parametric it's all live it's all literally nodes you know making um everything is just you know a big node tree really and everything is live so you, you can you can really get as parametric with it as you as you want and and i would love to see i would love to see you learn i think it would be fun to watch um what you come up with for sure yeah, i agree i agree with that anyway well uh yeah. let, let, let's chat a little bit about your um you said you're you're doing all these in these uh these what do you call the series is there a name for the series yeah, I switch it up uh, each time because I try to change the theme up a little bit. So right now I'm in the sight series. So all, all, all the creatures have like little eyeballs or something like that. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I try to change it up. Even if it's small, I try to change it up a little bit each time. So, And these are all using Octane pr pr predominantly. Oh, only Octane. Only Octane. So yeah. what, what are the... And you use Octane in production too. So can you tell us a little bit about your, your gear setup and, and how that how that evolved and maybe some little bit about your workflow yeah yeah uh, when i first w built my machine right when i moved down uh, to florida um i wasn't sold it was too early yet to know if i wanted to build a gpu machine and so i just did one gpu in there i did a 980 and i uh did a uh, 5960x uh i7 um, and so I, I was like, I'm going to split the difference. I'll spend a little bit more on CPU so I can kind of wrangle that. Um, but I had the slots to throw in some more GPUs. Um, and then, uh, and then maybe eight months later after I realized I was going to, I was going to go off for the, the octane and GPU rendering. And so I got three more 980 TIs for that machine. Um, and so, uh, uh, and all water cooled and I was loving it. Uh, and then I was like, I, I, I need more. If I'm going to do this in a production workflow, I was just making dailies at that point. I was like, if I'm going to use this in production workflow and I want to just be able to render everything I want from here. So I invested in a, another machine uh, with another additional four 980 TIs, um, all water cooled. And so now I just have them synced up. So I really have one just rendering as like a slave, more or less. It's just a GPU render horse. And then, uh, so eight, nine, 980 TIs. Um, and then the minute I started doing GPU rendering, I, I was just sold. There's, I, I can't go back. I get so frustrated with, uh, CPU rendering. I really can't speak on Arnold. I know you're a fan, Chad. So, um, just regular, uh, you know, the standard and physical. Every time I use them, just seems the things that I want to do and are, and are attracted to in 3D just take forever. It's like if you look at my renders, it's all subsurface scattering, it's all displacement, it's fog, it's depth of field, it's motion blur. And it's like I just name the five things that you want to like avoid doing uh, in you know a CPU render engine, and yeah. and, and so. And I feel like that's what made my work a little bit unique too, is because it's like, okay, if I invest in Octane, I can do these things that are a lot harder to do. So you're not going to see as many people doing them. Um, 
So I don't, I don't know. know I, th- I feel like the octane. The thing, my issue with octane subsurface is that it's so, it, it makes no sense. Like there's no, there's no real math behind it. It's not, it's not based in scene units, and it's not. It's kind of like this fake transmission looking thing to me. I yeah. mean, it's definitely an interesting look, but it 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 has this like, it just makes every surface look like a, a foggy. Uh, grape, if that's if that makes sense. No, totally. And it, that to me, like I've I've used it, uh, you know, I've used it a few times in in actual work. And the things I like about it, obviously, the look dev speed is like unparalleled. Um, being able, it's got the fastest, I think, connection to its core engine uh, compared to all of the renders that I've tested. And, and what I mean by that is the ability for it to send your scene to the Arnold or sorry, Octane renderer. It's got the most seamless, like fast interaction there that I've that I've come across in other third-party renders. My issue with it, I think, is just that it feels a little bit like inaccurate almost. Like it's not really like in a lot of other programs when you're doing subsurface, you can say, Well, cool, I want my light to penetrate two centimeters. Like Okay, let me write two centimeters. There's no real way way to do that in Octane, which I wish there was. Um, I really, yeah, I mean, I could go on a rant about all the things I wish Octane had as well. I'm sure you could too. Light linking, uh, better volumetrics, although I think that's you know coming. But so yeah, I guess tell me that your favorite things and your least favorite things about working in Octane. Uh, favorite thing, uh, I mean, it's cliche but I, the speed it's got to be the speed um like you were you mentioned look dev and it's like that's exactly it you know i i want to be able to see exactly what i'm creating on the fly uh see lighting in real time see texturing in real time it's like that's it's just enormous um uh, my least favorite thing um it only happens when i'm working on client work but uh no form of a compositing tag is my least favorite thing not being able to do light exclusions is hands down my least favorite thing you don't realize like when i'm doing personal work i don't miss it at all but the minute i start doing client work i'm like no i need that functionality i need to not see the light but it's still light the scene um or not be seen in this reflection but i need to have a little light here you know to to kind of fill this area in and that's easily the most frustrating thing for me other than yeah, that, yeah. Other than that, I I don't really have a whole lot of frustrations. Um, the I might have been doing it wrong, but the motion blur didn't seem to work when I use I was using poly effects on something, and it didn't work on you moving the polygons of a surface with an effector. It didn't it didn't read that uh, in the motion blur, um, which I thought was kind of weird, which was frustrating on another client project. Um, you know, just yeah. little stuff. Yeah, I, I would agree, man. I think that it's like one of those things where um, recently when I did that, when I just did the promo thing for uh, uh, Gorilla Grades, I started it in Redshift and couldn't do it because you know Redshift didn't have uh, a feature that I needed. It was kind of buggy, so I brought it into Octane. You know, because I'm I've, I'm the same. I've got I don't have eight, but I've got four 980 Ti's, and uh, I've only got the one machine. And I built it all up and got everything working in Octane. And it was one of those things where you run into situations where you just know you're not going to be able to do a lot of map passes. You know you're not going to be able to... You just kind of go into it, into an Octane job with the limitations in mind and and just try to get it as far as you can in the beauty. And because you know you're not going to be able to do much with passes and whatnot. 
Um, and then, you know, for my, from, from my experience, I didn't have that extra machine to dump to. Uh, so I knew if I was going to render that entire thing on my workstation, I was basically going to be without a workstation for like 48 hours straight, maybe even 72. Yeah. And that, um, that is a real problem I think for people. And I get this question all the time. Like what are the cloud, where can I render octane on the cloud and i'm always telling them the same thing i'm like i don't know of any place that's got it solved yet have you ever had to do that um no i haven't uh i i have a system i don't know if it's the healthiest system but my system is i don't go to bed until i'm ready to render and so <laughs> whether that's 11 p.m or 6 a.m i oh stay up God. because my my feeling is this um, while I'm awake, I'm work. I need to be working on the machine, and the only time I can't work on the machine is when I'm sleeping. And when I'm rendering, I can't work on the machine. So therefore, the only time I can render is when I'm sleeping because I can't work. And so, um, so I'll just set up scenes, and so I'll go to bed uh, when I am like, okay, this scene is ready to render, and I render it out. Then get up, usually finish rendering, and then I work on the next scene and, and just kind of do that and I'll just knock them all out. It's <laughs> that's so that's such an interesting thing, dude. Like I, I'm just like imagining in the computer by your bed, like you're just con you like it's like hitting your uh, alarm clock, but you're hitting render. <laughs> dude, it's not sometimes. I even like question my own judgment. I'm like, I I don't know. It's six in the morning. And sometimes I, I have to because I, I teach uh, animation classes like I was mentioning. So sometimes I just have to transition transition right into teaching and it's kind of funny because i'll go in there and and it, you know it, it'll be 8 30 uh in the morning class and all the students are super tired i'm like i'm like how's how's your guys day going and they're like oh i'm so tired i didn't go to sleep last night i'm like i didn't either cool we're in the same boat you know it's <laughs> like i was up working too so like and i'm here i'm ready to have fun let's do this um so i don't know yeah that that's <laughs> that's my system so no i haven't used render farms though i've had a couple that i i, I won't shout out now uh, because I haven't haven't gotten to test them yet that have emailed me and, and said, hey, can you please use our render farm to render? We'll, you know, we'll give you, you know, free credits for as long as you want uh, just to kind of play with it. And so I haven't used them yet, though, but there is a couple out there. Yeah, I'm waiting for one to kind of break through and become like the first really reliable GPU cloud rendering uh, place. I know a toy like had that time where they were like, we're going to launch the Atoy. Uh, what do they call it? They had was it just the Atoy Cloud or something? I think like it was that? just the Cloud, yeah, or something, right? And they were like, "Oh, it's going to be, you know, the play. It'll be so. It'll be a seamless experience for you to launch your Octane renders on the cloud." And I feel like. Um, I feel like they talk a big game about a lot of different things, whether it's a new version or that or, you know, whatever. But they very seldom deliver on any of what they talk about. And that's frustrating. Um, it can be frustrating as a, as a professional trying to uh, build a business off of that piece of software. And, and you get into, a, I've run into so many people, dude, that have like gotten into the octane um, syndrome where they, they kind of paint themselves into this corner with Octane and then time comes to render the job and it starts to take way longer than they anticipated and they don't have a machine to dump it off to. Uh, and I've had people like rushing to Best Buy to go get whatever they can get in terms of a GPU on its own so they can render. And that's, that's 
that's a problem, man. That's got to be. Hopefully, somebody will figure that out because that's a no. That's true. That sucks. That's true. But yeah, uh, well, that's cool. Um, there was another question I had. I'm trying to remember uh, what it was. But um, oh, you're you're. T talk to us about your post process. I mean, you're not you're. How much are you doing with your renders, your dailies, and and all of the the site series and whatnot? How much are you doing? strictly in cinema and how much is happening in comp with color and all that sort of thing uh i would i'd feel confident saying that i do zero post work um <laughs> I, I like, uh, I, like I, I hate i don't like that i know i know you don't i know you don't it's not your thing um i do i do pretty much zero the only i do two things uh in post uh <laughs> shameless plug i've been i've been i've been using the uh, gorilla grain um, <laughs> Wait, did you say you're using the Gorilla Grade LUTs? Yeah, Gorilla Grade uh, LUTs. I think they're uh, they're coming out soon, so uh, check that out. Okay, I now approve of your process. <laughs> <laughs> I, I use, I, I've been I've been playing with those just because it's a real simple way to like tweak the 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 look, um, and and kind of blend everything together a little bit. And then on top of that, uh, I'll usually use some kind of denoiser of some sort. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's it for your denoiser these days. Um, I, yeah, I I go back and forth. I use um, uh, Magic Bullet denoiser and um, and what's that other one? It's called something film. Uh, I think you mentioned it before too. It's a neat video. Yeah, neat video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Neat video. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So that's kind yeah, of that, you know, I was trying to figure out a way to get um, the Gorilla Grade Lutz into uh, Octane's. Um, Octane has these film profile curves that are very much like a LUT uh, that you can load and you can look at your work w with a specific kind of filmic response curve. Um, typically, I work linear just because I want to do that stuff in post, but I thought it would be cool if somehow we could get the Gorilla Grade LUTs into that format so people using Octane could just like twirl down our looks right there in the frame buffer. Yeah. Maybe someday we'll get them to open that up because for right now, as far I reached out to them and and I think their whole film profile thing is kind of a closed door right now. But yeah, we'll see. Cool. Also, I would love to see Maxon actually get some sort of LUT workflow going in the picture viewer. I think that would be awesome to be able to, you know, in your picture viewer, you know, load up a LUT and either apply it or just have it be kind of live so that you don't, you know, commit to it if you don't want to. That would be awesome too. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Because you you have the ability to in the picture view to like you know edit and do some curves and stuff right. like that. It'd be it's super easy. You think right? Just to toss that in there. I know that's what I'm hoping. Um, hoping that they do that because there's a lot of talk about like you know color. Every once you know color seems to come back in and out of like discussion um, every like year or two. It seems like, and right now I think it's kind of a topic that people are you know wanting to talk about more and. Last podcast we did, we talked a lot about color, and we don't fully—I don't even think we fully understand it. But uh, maybe someday we'll get somebody on the show that can explain it to us in a way that we all. <laughs> yep, not not me. Yeah. No. <laughs> um. Well, cool. Uh, how, how are we doing on time? We're doing pretty well, actually. We're we're we got like maybe five or ten minutes left. So, uh, Chris, do you uh, have any do you have any questions? Sure, uh, Dave. I know you just did a big old trip to Australia. You want to hit us up with some highlights? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty sweet, actually. The mill was there, showing off their car. Um, some really really amazing uh, chats there. Um, 
Pixar had a, had a fantastic talk. Uh, Brian Green is his name, I believe. Was there an uh, event you were at? Yeah, it's called Pause Fest, okay. uh, and it's in Melbourne. They ha they have it every year. It's a three day event. It's business, creativity, and technology. Um, and they had reached out to me and said, "Hey, you know, a big part of our our fest is uh, our conference is uh, emotion response to our theme, and we'd love for you to do it." And uh, and it, and it seemed really cool. And I was like, "Okay, cool." And they're like, "You know, we we hand select, you know, uh, you know, five to ten studios and freelancers from around the world to kind of like contribute to their response to the theme." And so I kind of jumped on it, and um, and as the, the it was getting closer, I'm like, you know what? I, I kind of want to go. I want to go to this festival. Um, it seems really cool. I've known a couple people that have have traveled out there and said amazing things about it, and um, and so yeah, that was it. I, I decided to head on out there. It was amazing. Um, met tons of cool people. Really good talks. My favorite talk, like I was saying, was the the Pixar one. They broke down. Oh man, I always blank on his name. Um, he is the uh, the octopus in uh, Finding Dory, Hank, Hank, the uh, and they broke down kind of the tech behind uh, the execution of him and the suction cups and and so I nerded out on that. That was fantastic. Oh, um, yeah, that's right up your alley, dude. Oh, it, it was it was perfect. <laughs> it was it was really good. Uh, and then we chatted about the short film Piper for a while. Um, it was just cool, you know, meeting people and and being in Australia was super cool. I'm I'm like. I love that Australian accent. It's like the best accent ever. How long of a flight was that? Just curious. Uh, from from leaving from Florida, it was it it was a twenty four hour total duration. Um, I had to go from from Tampa, Florida, to Denver, to LAX, to Melbourne, and so it was a twenty four hour duration. The flight, the the flight from LAX to Melbourne, I think was six, 16 hours or something like that. Yeah, oh 15, 16 hours. I loved it. I really did. Because I, I'd never get time that I'm not working, you know? And it was like, I was like, oh, yes. I, I sit here and I just watched a bunch of movies. I was like, this is fantastic. Did you so have one it. of the... Now, I've, I took a flight to uh, South Africa once. And I was lucky enough, it was on production. So I got business class. Ooh, and I flew business dream. class Emirates, which I felt like I was like the top tier that i felt like the one percent dude like i had my own like little pod thing i had like it was insane like did you have that or were you like coach or what was that like i could not afford that because because that is literally well, like I double either. i didn't pay for yeah, it no no exactly no uh i wish i could have because i i wanted to and i looked but it was double the price of the tickets and the tickets were already like you know fifteen hundred dollars uh and so i'm like yeah i can't i can't spend three thousand dollars on a ticket to melbourne like that's insane yeah um and so <laughs> i opted out of that portion of it uh but i wish i did because you can actually like recline almost all the way you've got your own little tv i mean yeah so I you're know. you're in coach watching movies for 16 hours straight oh. and so I, I mean, this is kind of off topic, but I'm just fascinated by that. I've never been there. I've always wanted to go there, and um, you know, I've heard it's it's an amazing place. When 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 you got there, I mean, is that does everybody have that accent, or is that just like? Yeah, no, every, every, everybody had it. Now, they have a big Asian population. That I think travels there because it's so close, um, but. Every everyone else had the Australian accent, and uh, and we did a a little tour uh, out to uh, some of the oceans and uh, kangaroos and stuff like that. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I just love it. You know, he's like, and uh, if you look straight uh, on the right, straight over there, you know, there's a wall to be looking over. And I'm like, yo, this is amazing. I love this. This is the best thing ever. But hearing you do it with like a Philly <laughs> accent, dude, it's yeah. like even better. Like, did anybody yes. say, where are you from? Because your accent, you have a bit of a Philly accent. Yeah. And like, were they like trying to make where you were from? Did they probably thought you're from New York, most likely? it was everyone asked it was the first time i was ever out of the country too so i kind of went all for it uh going like all the way around the other side of the world um people were like where are you from and i was like the u.s and they're like we know that like <laughs> and i was like oh and uh yeah so uh and and then like i'd say florida because i'm not gonna be like philly you know i live in florida now uh and they're like oh okay cool you know that was it yeah. well yeah i don't think anybody has a I mean, I don't know. Like, I bet if you had said Philly, they would have been like, oh, yeah, I see it. But like, yeah, if you yeah. came up to me with your accent and you told me you're from Florida, I'd be like, no way, dude. You're yeah, definitely yeah. from somewhere <laughs> north of, of Florida. Yes. Anyway, that's funny. That's cool. Yeah. It was fantastic. I, 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 w I wish I could travel more, man. Like, I, I, mean, I, the only time I get to travel now is to like, if, if, uh, if we're going to NAB or Seagraph or something like that. But, Still, I guess that's better better than nothing. But I do miss going out of the country. It was a lot of fun. Chris could real Australia trip. I know we should. We should probably do like a European tour. That'd be fun. Europe, Tokyo. I'm down for any of those. Yeah, maybe we'll just maybe we'll just like get a road crew, get a van in Europe, and just drive around doing demos. Yeah. Well, it's still in the planning stages. But me and EJ have a a Japan trip planned. I think we're going to try and execute in November. That would awesome. be awesome. That's is FITC be. still doing their Tokyo? FITC Tokyo? Because that's what I wanted to go to if they're still know. doing it. Well, maybe we should think about getting a group and like try to plan some of these excursions to these uh these shows outside of the US. I think that would be fun. Oh yeah. That's what I'm trying to do right now. Well, I think we're I think we're good here on time. I think that's going to wrap up another uh, Grayscale Gorilla podcast. Thanks, Dave, for coming on. It's uh, it's been awesome having you, and uh, appreciate you taking the time to tell us all these awesome stories. Heck yeah, I love chatting with you guys. Um, do we have anything, Chris, that we need to announce or any sort of stuff? No, we we, we got it all covered. Uh, keep an eye out for uh, Gorilla Grade Lutz coming soon. Make sure you follow Dave on Instagram. We'll make yeah. sure that's in the notes. And uh, our pal Nick will be back next week, and he'll uh, be nice and tan. Hopefully, he won't have any broken appendages. And yeah. uh, we'll be back next week and with more 3D goodness. So thank you, everybody. And as always, if you like what you are listening to and you're on YouTube, give us uh, the old thumbs up, thumbs up, and uh, hit subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, drop us a, uh, a review on iTunes. It really helps our, uh, helps our show out. So thanks again, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. See you guys.